Woohoo! Hey everybody, thank you all for being here. I already have one down thumb, so I have a hater in the audience already. But that's okay, we don't care. And we love everybody. So let's just jump in and make sure this is sharing correctly. Boom! There you go. So today we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. But before we jump in, we got to talk about the fact that we are back at Bitcoin levels not seen since yesterday. But you're all pros out there, so nobody's rattled. So it's all good. Let's jump in. Talk about some math, money, and freedom. I'm going to talk about adoption, futures, death crosses, and a ton more stuff. As usual, edutainment. And a new kind of addition, because I go so fast, I normally cover about 30 topics in 20 minutes. Uh, a couple of people suggested I should talk about what I'm going to talk about. Talk about the story, the tapestry that we weave every single day. So following on from yesterday, we're going to talk about new developments, including oil producing countries, some more adoption, uh, a little bit of energy and Bitcoin energy, a little bit of central bank game theory. We'll talk about a potential new sovereign country. We'll talk about Bitcoin spot ETF. Um, the, then we're going to talk about the perpetual funding rate, which is the core crux of today and how that impacts the price and how that could be linked to some technical analysis out there too. Then we're going to talk about more adoption in India, more banning over the border of India, and some Ethereum burn, Ethereum gas fees, what whales are doing with Ethereum, talk about the Luna ecosystem, near protocol, and how insiders make millions, or in some cases, billions. That's a pretty big agenda, but that's today's story. Every day is a ton packed in, so I guess if I introduce it briefly at the beginning, let me know if that helps to know exactly the journey we're going to go on because we go fast. So yesterday I spoke about Iran and energy and Bitcoin. And today, Russia, Russia's National Finance Association calls for legalization of crypto investments. This is big news because Putin is said to be very authoritarian, doesn't really like Bitcoin, kind of does, but he likes it if it can serve him a purpose. So again, thinking three-dimensionally here, what they are probably trying to do is Russia is urging authorities to reconsider a position against crypto investments in the nation's financial market strategy. The organization insists that crypto investments of Russians should be brought out of the gray zone, basically black market where people will trade crypto anyway, instead of being banned. And perhaps this is the country moving to an energy denominated market like Iran, like other markets. So it could be very big. We're going to keep an eye on that and see what's happening. But that was good news, especially after yesterday. Speaking of energy and oil and Bitcoin, I thought this is very cool from Mike McGlone at Bloomberg Intelligence. So if you imagine the history of Bitcoin and oil today, one Bitcoin will buy you 523 barrels of oil. That's crazy. Oil is getting more expensive but not in Bitcoin terms. So think about that. So this shows you a couple of things. Now, when you look at this chart, um, according to Mike McGlone, he believes one of the beauties of Bitcoin and its market cap comes from lack of supply elasticity. And where we're talking about that, sorry, my phone was not off. Um, obviously, it goes back to the same supply and demand story. But the pace of new Bitcoin production is set, as we know, the inflation rate is level. In fact, it's deflationary, if you ask me, because people are losing their coins every single day. And when we go forward, we look at the price of oil denominated in Bitcoin, start thinking about denominating everything in Bitcoin. 
And from this analyst calculations, one Bitcoin is 523 barrels of oil, as I mentioned, and a mere fraction of what it cost in oil in 2012. The other way to think about it as well, supply, demand, adoption, and advancing technology means that Bitcoin will far outperform oil appreciation over the next 10 years. So if you're going long oil, think about going long Bitcoin, because it's going to do a lot better according to Bloomberg. And also, as another comparison, uh, one Bitcoin is now worth 4.4 tons of copper. I forgot how cheap copper was. I always thought it was kind of more expensive, but that's a lot of copper for one Bitcoin. Anywho, 4.4 tons is quite heavy. So that's the oil energy news. Now, this goes back to what we hinted at yesterday as well, uh, when I talked about Jurian Trummer from Fidelity, and someone chimed in on Twitter. And this is too good not to read, so I'm just going to read it verbatim uh, in case I screwed up trying to speak from memory. But this is from Alex Gladstein, and this is all ties back to what we call Bitcoin central bank game theory. And Alex agrees with Fidelity, with Durian, uh, but it's astonishing to read this on Bitcoin adoption game theory in such a mainstream financial report. Now, I'm just going to read the yellow part. We also think there is a high stakes game theory at play here, whereby if Bitcoin adoption increases, the countries that secure some Bitcoin today will be better off competitively than their peers. Therefore, even if other countries do not believe in the investment thesis or adoption of Bitcoin, they will be forced to acquire some as a form of insurance. In other words, a small cost can be paid today as a hedge compared to a potentially much larger, larger cost in the near future. We would therefore wouldn't be surprised to see and other sovereign nation states acquire Bitcoin in 2022. Boom. A lot there to unpack. But if you look at all the stuff that people like Max Kaiser, Greg Voss, Jeff Booth, all the gurus, they all talk about this. This is this is playing out before our eyes. This is why it's such an exciting time to be alive and share this with you all. So let's jump a little bit deeper <laughs> and related to adoption of another sovereign state. We have Tonga next in the box. Now, don't get too excited because Tonga only has a $500 million GDP. I know people that are worth a lot more than Tonga, Tonga's GDP, but they have 30% remittances. So they're looking at El Salvador and they're looking for ways of saving their people money. And Lord Fusitwa, the Tongan Lord, reportedly is working together with Jack Maulers, the CEO of Strike, to architect a similar type structure that they did in El Salvador to bring Bitcoin as a legal framework and a legal tender to Tonga by November of 2022. Boom, the dominoes are falling slowly but surely. Small place, but big, big news to share nonetheless. Now, another good news for Bitcoin, Bitcoin Spot ETF is coming in 2022 per Matt Haugen. He said, here's why Spot Bitcoin ETF is coming this year, according to Bitwise CIO, Chief Investment Officer. Now, I did forecast last year that we'd have one by June 2022, and Grayscale will be the one to probably get it first. And this guy seems to believe. Now, he, his whole thesis is the fact that so many ETFs, spot ETFs, have been approved, but they're open to far more fraud and manipulation than Bitcoin is. Therefore, he doesn't see why. Why is Bitcoin not approved? And uh, he thinks it's just a matter of time before it actually comes to market. So that's other good news. Now, let's talk about this. This is not so good. So this is the 
Bitcoin futures perpetual funding rate for all exchanges. Now, most, just to spell it out for you all again, I touched on this a few times before, but most crypto derivative exchanges employ a funding rate mechanism to keep contract prices in line with the index at all times. So if you imagine people going heavy in one direction, it needs to be compensated in the other direction. So these rates vary as asset prices turn bullish or bearish and are determined by market forces. So when the rate is positive, long positions pay short positions because they believe, hey, you know what? I'm very convinced we're going to go up. Therefore, I'm investing in a long position. Therefore, I'm willing to pay a little bit more money. Now, when you see it going so negative so fast, that is concerning. Now, why is this happening? Why are the shorts paying so much to go short? And my theory is as follows. Let's switch over to the chart. And I'll tell you why. So I have always been stunned by how many people in crypto trade, especially with options and leverage, based on TA alone. It never ceases to amaze me. You cannot invest on TA alone. It helps you. It's a guide. Helps you identify bottoms and tops and market directions and stuff like that. But you do not want to trade on TA alone without looking at all the other good stuff, all the macro. That's why I spend so much time talking about macro and on-chain and what companies are doing, what retail is doing, what sentiment is, etc., etc. This is crazy, but we do have something coming up. This is the death course. Again, I did say it's, you know, 35% chance it's going to be nothing burger. I'm very convinced of that because we've already bottomed up the 40K. But the crypto traders believe maybe when we hit the death cross, and per my estimate all this month, it's been about January 15th, it's going to hit. I think they're making the leverage bet that we're going to dip because of the death cross. Now, there is a positive aspect to this story too. And I could be wrong, but probably not, but maybe. But the positive aspect is this could bring about one hell of a short squeeze. Because if somebody comes in and buys a truckload of Bitcoin and price goes up and all these guys are short, they're gonna to have to scramble to cover, which would bring the price up at an accelerated pace. So instead of like a cascading series of losses, it would be a cascading series of coverages to chase the price up. So we'll see what happens. Either way, it's interesting. And with all of the macroeconomic backdrop, all of the adoption, all of the goodness, how can the price not go up? So we'll see. That is just my theory. Now, speaking of more good news. So another South Asian country isn't the first place you'd think of for legalized Bitcoin trading on the stock exchange after so many supposed bans. But here we go. The financial management firm, I think, Kling Trading in India have teamed up to apply for Bitcoin and Ethereum futures uh, products to, to be exchanged on the India INX, which I think is on the Bombay Stock Exchange. Could be very big, but guess what's happening across the border? Woohoo! Meanwhile, in Pakistan, they recommend banning crypto. <sighs> Usual BS party line, I think the State Bank of Pakistan the National Central Banking Institution is worried that, um, I think they said, uh, all business that operates on digital assets is illegal, facilitates uh, terrorism, etc., money laundering, all the usual stuff, which is not true. If you are a clever money launderer, you wouldn't use an open blockchain to do it. So anyway, that's the Pakistan news, but the people in Pakistan are very smart. They'll figure a way out of getting access to crypto. So again, when you ban this thing, 
you make it even more popular. You know, you make people think, say, huh? They're banning Bitcoin? What's Bitcoin? I better buy some. I better get some. So that's the Pakistan news. Now let's talk about uh, Ethereum burn tracker. So this is the biggest burn. I watch this all the time. I have never seen five days of deflation in a row ever in the history of Ethereum. And we did say in 2022, it's going to go deflationary. But this is big. We had five days of basically the burn being larger than the issuance. So basically, we now have deflationary Ethereum, pretty much very close to it, and it'll go full time. Now, why is this happening? Well, the NFT rage is still raging on and gas fees are through the roof. Somebody sent this to me today. Big thank you for shipping it in. But uh, they got a quote for $943 in gas fees. That's a lot. Even if you're moving, uh, you know, $100,000, $1,000 is still a very high fee compared to other chains and Bitcoin even. So that's part of the problem. But what else is happening, though? Well, stats uh, reported a transaction initiated in uh, Binance, uh, BNB whale, I think it's the number one ranked whale. They just purchased about 82,000 Ethereum. And that's the equivalent, by my math, of about 280, 300,000, 300 million dollars worth, a third of a billion dollars worth. And this whale also owns about two and a half billion worth of BNB. So it's a big transaction. Remember yesterday I spoke about the whales gobbling up all the Ethereum like there's no tomorrow. I think they're watching the burn too. They know it's going deflationary. They know it's needed. It's only a matter of time before this thing pops. I don't know when, but it's going to pop. And it's actually been quite weak now, trading around 3,300. But we're going to watch it carefully. But again, all indications, all background behind the scenes, all the whales are accumulating ETH like crazy. So very bullish sign. And I know ETH have their problems, but it doesn't stop from being bullish. Now, speaking of the potential ETH killer near protocol, they announced uh, Wednesday, they just bagged $150 million from 3AC, which is Three Arrows Capital. And the VCs keep layering in. So for those people that hate chains that have VC backing, well, tough, because all the best chains now have VC backing. Phantom, Avalanche, Luna, Near Protocol, Solana, <laughs> all the winning chains are all backed by VCs. Riddle me that, everybody. Anywho, if you look at the impressive list of cowboys behind this, this round, you got three hours capital, led the round, Dragonflies in there, Andreessen Horowitz, uh, Alameda Research, Sam Bankman Freed, FTX, Solana Group are in there too. A whole bunch of really clever angel investors, including Ave uh, founder, Stani. He's in there too. So this is the who's who of crypto backing near protocol. So we are digging into it and see what we can find out. Now, this is on top of a round as well they did last year for about $70 million. And there they had uh, Pantera Capital was in that and Coinbase Ventures, Baidu Ventures out of China too. So again, the who's who of players in the space are now backing near. So very bullish too. Let's look at the chart. Unfortunately, uh, it's up 200% in 38 days. So per my philosophy, you know, don't chase replace. It's run a little bit too much. I did identify in TA Tuesday, it is on the verge of a big breakout and that happened today. So the lesson here for everybody out there is obviously the news gets out. The news that they raised a big round, you know, Suzu tells his close friends and they whisper to their close friends and all the insiders are in on the game and boom, it goes. So I expect to probably take a breather after all of this goodness. 
Not, you know, things don't double in 30 days without taking a breather and coming down. So we'll watch for maybe a potential entry. So watch this space. But I'm not buying now and I don't have any. Okay, you can't catch them all, as I say. Now let's talk about it and the charts. Near Protocol flew up the charts to number 14, passing Phantom, Cosmos, and Algorand in very short order. So that is a big move, you know, not far off knocking on the top 10 door. So again, we'll watch this carefully as we go forward. Now, speaking of Luna, the Luna ecosystem keeps on growing. It is adding a lot, and they're trying to disperse some of the activity across some of the dApps that are being built right now and not have it all on Anchor and one other. But we'll see. Now, Although this is an impressive list of dApps, you have to remember that Ethereum has over 3,000 and uh, Solana last count has about 430. So we'll see. Um, there's other exchanges that are working on their dApps and to enable smart contracts and stuff. It's all coming. So the, the dApp world is getting big, but you could have 10,000 dApps. But if they're not adopted and used, it doesn't really mean much. So you got to look at the activity on the dApps and the spread of the dApps and the activity. So that's one other thing we're looking into right now as well. So speaking of crypto and what else is happening in the world? Well, this guy, uh, Ryan Serhant, who's a kind of a top real estate guy, he believes we'll soon see a world where half of all real estate transactions, particularly the big, rich, you know, seven digit real estate will be done with crypto, where the contracts are recorded on the blockchain and signed as NFTs, Non-fungible tokens, as I say, tokenization of real estate is going to happen. And he wrote in his annual letter to clients as recently, uh, as I think it was yesterday or today, that they are working on many deals in New York City and Florida and California uh, to do wallet-to-wallet -wallet crypto transactions to buy real estate. So watch this space. Um, the question is, would you give up your Bitcoin to buy a lovely house? Maybe, if you have a lot of them, but we'll see. And real estate's also appreciating. So uh, watch this space carefully. Interesting. Now, let's talk about insider trading and how good it is. So this is a another little post. Um, Nancy Pelosi, she's a career politician, has worked in politics all her life. She now earns a $200,000 salary, but her net worth is half a billion dollars. So imagine how many years you have to work to earn half a billion dollars at a $200,000 salary. That is two and a half thousand years. She, she must be really old. So well done, Nancy. Your your, your stock trading is incredible. Um, and that's assuming as well, you put all of your $200,000 salary for two and a half thousand years into that fund. Now, but the real answer is uh, insider trading. Sweet work, Nancy. Our leaders have all the good information and they use it. So we'll see. Anyway, well done. Now let's talk about other insider trading and how insiders dump on poor, unwitting investors, retail investors, you guys out there. Adam Arnold, the CEO of AMC, the meme stock, uh, and it, <laughs> he, he dumped 40 million on the diamond handers. Probably nothing, but let's see what the chart looks like. And uh, I just, this type of stuff annoys me because you know, with a little digging, you can find out what's happening. But yeah, I still know people out there. I know people who are holding AMC. I know people who are holding, uh, what's the other one? The GameStop, etc. And they're pinning their dreams and they're putting all they have in these stocks. But let's look at what Diamond Hands does to the retail investor. It's down 72% in 200 days. 
So being in diamond hands, holding on hard is very costly. And always follow the insiders. The stock has dumped 56%. That's nearly 60% since November 4th, since when the insider, the CEO, starts dumping all of a stock on the retail investors. And it's clear as day from the chart. So just, you know, don't get wedded. Don't believe in silly philosophies that are published on Reddit. You know, diamond hands, we're going to... We're going to make this go to $10,000 or something. It's just, just stupidity. Watch what the insiders do. Watch what the whales do. Watch what the big money do. That's how you win. Not listening to people on Reddit. So be careful. I hope I didn't offend any AMC stockholders out there. But that's just reality, you know. Anywho, um, I'll see if I have any questions. I'm not in control of the questions. But okay, it is. And... Will it pop it up? No, I don't. Oh, I do, actually. Is this from yesterday today? I do. A lot of questions. Whoops. I thought it would be an easy day today. But, and again, once again, happy Thursday. Thank you to the mods and everybody on there. And, and be warned, I need to speak a little bit slower. So, first of all, happy feet. You are too kind. And love you guys and hope the family are well up there. You mentioned yesterday that you are holding your cash. Are you expecting a dip? If so, could you let us know what your buy-in price is for Luna and MicroStrategy? Yeah, so um, oh, first of all, I have, I'm probably about 22% cash right now because I need to convert some leaps. And those are leaps on things like Google, MicroStrategy, Shopify into equity. And uh, they require cash. I think I have some Tesla ones too. And I want to build up a big equity position in things like Google and Tesla on top of what I already have, because that's kind of like my, it's like my real estate, super, super safe asset. Uh, I have, I did buy Luna again at 63 last week. I bought a little Solana, very cheap too. Anytime Phantom is under $2, I buy. And Bitcoin, under 42, I buy as well. So that's kind of what I'm doing, but I'm still holding as much as possible. I need to hold some cash and then figure out how much I have left and so how much margin I have left and then reallocate across my uh, slices of the pie, real estate, uh, safe assets, which is like Google, etc., and Tesla, and of course, crypto. So uh, happy feet, stay tuned, and uh, we'll see. I already have a lot of microstrategy, but it was super, super cheap but I got to figure out where that's going. It is drastically oversold right now, uh, as is Bitcoin, but it's only a matter of time for that gets back to an appropriate value. Thank you so much. Ron B, would you take a look at ARK Invest Innovation? ARK is down 50% from all-time high and looking at a three-plus long-year hold. Yes, Ron, I don't like some of Kathy's holds on the ARKK. I think they are silly. Uh, I would not buy those stocks. However, I do think the ARC-G, which is the genomic fund, is probably has more upside because uh, those those genomic stocks have been beaten, beaten, beaten down. And I think 2022, 2023, considering you have a three-year time frame, that could be better because the type of stuff that's coming down the pike for genomics, uh, gene editing, you know, blood diagnoses, etc., is just mind-blowing. Uh, far better than owning things like Zoom, etc. So think about that. Um, I do believe RK will do well, but some of the stuff they're holding, I just don't agree with. So do what I always do. Look at the 60 holdings, pull out the top three or four, invest in them.
that would be <laughs> take you back to things like Google, maybe yeah, things like that. So Ron B, that's what I would do. But I don't, I just don't agree with some of the holdings that uh, she has. But her conviction is so high. It's very impressive. I mean, with things like Teladoc, she was buying from $295 all the way down to $90, nonstop layering in for over a year. So that was kind of impressive. Shiva, I remember you said last year you weren't very happy with Phantom Buy and noticed you were bullish. So I wasn't happy because I bought it at $2 and $1.90 and fell to $1.60. I was mad because I didn't buy it at $1.60. So, but it rebounded very quick. Um, nothing changed my mind. If you look at the adoption, I look at the adoption and growth of the chains, the number of dApps, uh, the TVL, the transaction volume, and that's all super, super impressive. So again, I, I, the way I look at the world is, you know, ETH is the 800 pound gorilla. Solana is my hedge for my ETH bag, which is three and a half times larger than my Solana bag. And then I have Phantom as the hedge for my Solana, just in case Phantom turns out to be the ETH killer. And then on the side of all that, I've got Luna. So that's kind of where I play and I have uh, Chainlink as well. And then Chainlink is kind of like a counterplay because as crypto goes up, chain goes down and vice versa. So that's the way I'm looking at Ashiva. Good question. Uh, Mr. Mahesh, how are you? As whales manipulate the market often, uh, do they pay tax every time they dump? And is that manipulation worth it? No, they're typically in tax-free jurisdictions where they do this. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to do it. And uh, the way those funds work anyway, they only pay not on the gains, but on the margin of what they make at the end of a certain period. So it, it, they would not be doing it as a retail investor being stuck paying very high taxes. So that's why they can do what they do. Think of uh, Raul Powell as well in Little Cayman Islands. He can day trade all day. He doesn't pay any taxes on crypto. Think of anybody trading crypto in Puerto Rico. Same thing. Portugal, same thing. I think Switzerland, South Korea, a lot of these places are tax-free for crypto trading. So um, that's what they do. <laughs> and I wish I was them. We were actually talking about that this morning, uh, how I would day trade Bitcoin. So uh, Bob, the FBI can track down a criminal from a Bitcoin address. Doesn't that mean that any Bitcoin hodler could get publicly tracked down and hit with a wrench attack? Not really, no. Um, the FBI can do it, but it's hard to find out who, what wallets belong to who. It's very, very, very difficult. So no, uh, that is not a concern. Uh, but the Bitcoin or the FBI have the ability to go into exchanges and track history you know, run subpoenas and get all the records that they need to be able to track things down. But for the average common thief, no, they wouldn't be able to. And it's funny because I think a lot about that. And I think, you know, like living in Silicon Valley for a long time, I used to watch people that were worth tens of billions of dollars walk around casually in and out of restaurants in San Francisco and Palo Alto and never have a concern in their mind. And they're worth way more than anybody who, um, like take, take Peter Thiel, for example walks around the Bitcoin conference casually. Guy's worth an absolute fortune. So I think the fears of wrench attacks are kind of overblown, especially for us average retail investors. Uh, C, uh, don't need to touch my Tesla until 2030. For fun, what's your guess uh, price roughly? Um, for 2030, it goes up to at least about uh, between ten and $14,000. 
but it's a function of so many things. It's a function of their energy business, their insurance business, their autonomy, their robo-taxi business. If, if they execute in everything that they are doing and they can figure out how to make solar roofs at scale and increase the scale production of batteries, I mean, the sky is the limit. This company is so far ahead of every other car company, but the mistake that people make all the time is they think of Tesla as a car company. It's not. It's an energy company. It's an AI company. And that's where when you start layering in all the value, all the goodness that they have, and then combine that with the moat that they have, which makes them impenetrable by any other company for the next five to seven years, it's, it's a no-brainer. But then again, never think in terms of 10 years as well, because that's a long time. Although it is 2022, I guess 2030 isn't that far away anymore. Eight years. But still, it'll be a $10,000 to $14,000 stock. But there's another factor as well you got to take into account too. And that is the currency debasement. So if we're talking dollars, you know, in 10 years, the dollar will debase by at least 50%. So if you imagine Tesla going from, say, $1,000 now to $10,000 and the currency debases by 50%, that's only a 5x because the real purchasing power of your money is half. And it's probably going to be worse than that because inflation is not going away. So <laughs> that's the simple answer. Not to burst anybody's dream, but always think about the debasement of the currency you have and the denominator you use to value an asset. Uh, Satwick, um, are you long-term bullish in Elrond? Also, what pets do you have? <laughs> that's a funny question. Um, Elrond is one of the ones which is kind of like, I am bullish, very, very small position, but I'm much more bullish on other names that are out there, including now, maybe near digging into near Avalanche I like, but I don't like the inflation. When I, every, each time I compare Avalanche to Solana, Solana wins. I know Solana had an outage for 17 hours. Yes, I know all that. But still, despite all that, it, it just has way more goodness and Elrond is kind of again second tier so we're, we're going to do a revision of all of our SCPs and find out exactly where things are going but Elrond is not something that I am big on right now it's there but it's not at the top three so I hope that helps and I hope that doesn't disappoint too Ryan Promer um, why are crypto companies called projects instead of startups is a clever VC labeling hiding intent to profit um, that's an interesting question. I never really thought about that. Uh, I guess they are projects because they're new technology, but uh, and also because crypto technically should be more decentralized, therefore, it's not a company, and the term company tends to have the connotation of centralization. So, I think that could be the simple answer. Uh, and is a clever VC labeling could be, but you know, uh, chains projects, crypto projects, that's just, uh, uh, the world is changing so fast. I think it's just, I don't think it's the VCs that are behind that labeling at all because VCs only got into the investing in crypto game only over the last two years. If you look at the amount that the VCs invested in 2019 compared to today, it's 20 times the amount. So they're going in hard now because they see the value and the disruption. And they spend all of their time analyzing, okay, what's going to interrupt, disrupt financial services? What's going to disrupt entertainment? What's going to disrupt, say, real estate? 
this is what they're looking at and this is why they're going in so hard too so but it's an interesting question and i think it's just companies are centralized crypto creed thoughts in here could you please let me know good time to enter great question must have been in before my session i think it's too late to chase it's gone up 200 percent in 38 days um the word got out obviously and that's why it ran up so far so fast uh i don't chase you never you never jump in on something after it's run up 200 percent. you wait wait for a breather um, it was the same with me with luna i was waiting 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 for a big dip and uh, eventually got it so i don't chase i replace or i wait for that big dip to come in so that's what i would do and we will be analyzing near as well and seeing how it stacks up against the others zach crane any comments on near it's been cruising during the pullback everybody's talking about near yes um I hope that's all been uh, talked about is just all about, I believe, the big venture funding round of 150 million bucks, which is, you know, I think Solana raised 400 a few months ago, Avalanche raised $300 million. Um, we, if on a comparative basis, it, it's not as much as the other guys, but yeah, that's why it's been cruising. And I think that's why that information leaked out and that's why people stacked to their bags before the retail could get it. Paul Denbuff, um, what are the odds that a government or a central bank is holding Bitcoin down by shorting it into oblivion? Uh, very, 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 very small. Uh, first of all, they wouldn't be able to do it without being found out. And second of all, if they were doing that, they would shoot themselves in the foot and they would make the people in that country not trust the central bank at all. So it would be a lose-lose situation for a central bank to even try that. So not a concern. Games I play. Have you taken another look at Harmony One? Uh, do you see what they're doing with their new decks, making a seamless UI experience, etc.? Yes. Uh, again, we're digging into Harmony One, Near Protocol, Elrond again, Phantom, stacking them all up and identifying exactly who's going to win the day. Um, but Harm Harmony was not one. I think it was uh, number nine in our top twenty last time we did an analysis and it just has some issues that make other ones actually better so we'll see again not not one that's going to take over the world i know it's been very strong too if you look at all the ones that didn't run so much in 2021 they're all running in january 2022 and that's what typically happens investors look at relative market caps and say "Ooh, this one's worth 50 billion this one's only worth 10. If we invest here, we'll probably get a 5x. So that's, that's kind of the simple mentality that many investors look at. And that's what's happening with these, what I call tier two layer ones uh, right now. So um, it says, quickies, Caleb, uh, thoughts on rebase token. Caleb, I, I heard about that the other day and I got a brief look, but... Um, let me see if I can see anything here. Let's see. Alexandre, one, no. Hmm. When you go, I can't even see it. It's not coming up. So typically, uh, things that aren't in my Masari, <laughs> I don't look some. I'm very sorry. Uh, I'm not able to tell you anything about rebase token. Um, I haven't looked at a deep. Glimpsed at it once and walked away. Catherine Muller, 
best way to buy one or two of MicroStrategy and GBTC? Uh, best way to buy one or two of MicroStrategy? I'm not sure I understand the question. You need a traditional brokerage account to buy MicroStrategy and GBTC. I think GBTC is nice if the discount is around 20%. Let's check out that GBTC discount right now, actually, because I don't know um, what it's at. Wow, that's insane. It's 20.78% right now. Yeah, buying GBTC, if you have a retirement account, it's your only access, it is crazy cheap. I mean, 21% off, it will convert to a spot ETF and that 21% discount will go away. So whatever you buy, it's going to go up uh, <laughs> as we go forward. So yeah, and, and MicroStrategy is also beat to death. Mason Vieira, best place to stake on Solana. I stake on Everstake using Phantom Wallet. And a big thank you for donation as well. Chris K, uh, going to see Tool and Feb. You and Dana Carey both rock. Wow, gotta see you. They're on tour again. That'll be funny. Feb, 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 Feb. It's gotta be indoors, which means it could be dangerous. Anyway, Crypto Dinosaur, Chadwick, JB Crypto High, Mark Greenwood, Garrick Brooks. It sounds like Garth Brooks, the country singer. Uh, Mike Zilberlabe, uh, Green Puppy, House of Woodlays, GT350, Trish Hill, St. Jude Needs Us, Tuesday's Dragonfire, Tuna's on Toast, and Dr. M. Appreciate you all. Hope you enjoy the session. And tomorrow's Friday. But uh, don't worry too much about the uh, Bitcoin price right now. It's struggling. Yeah, we might get a wick down to 30K before January 15th. But then there could be the squeeze of all squeezes. So watch this space. Take care, everybody. And don't worry about the volatility. See you soon.